Hello and welcome back to the Going Deutsch podcast. A look at the wonderful world of German football brought to you by the Sport Splits. And while we'll get on to the main story in the Bundesliga later on, but obviously something that happened in the Bundesliga this weekend that is incredibly exciting to talk about. To be honest, if you've seen the title of this episode, you already know what it is. So... I am already so excited to get into that. But another intriguing week in the world of German football. And of course, stuff to talk about that happened outside of German football that did, in its own weird way, impact German football, at least for fans in the United Kingdom. Anyway, welcome to the show today. I hope you're doing well. I hope this podcast finds you in good health as per usual. Remember to go to anchor.fm forward slash vsportsblitz to find out where you can play this podcast. You can also play it there, or you can keep doing what you're doing. You're currently playing a podcast at the moment. You are the Chivaldo Becker of playing podcasts. I didn't score this week, and to be honest, I blame that on me putting him in my fantasy Bundesliga lineup. So I would like to unreservedly apologise. Anyway, also remember to go to the Sports Blitz website for writing about football and other sports, of course at the moment, mostly including the Vuelta España, which has just concluded and it will soon be including as well the NFL, because the NFL season's starting and shortly after this podcast has gone up, there'll be another podcast going up for week one of the NFL season. So give that a listen to if you're an NFL fan or listen to the Around the NFL podcast because they're absolutely exceptional at that. So let's talk about the Bundesliga and let's talk about the world of German football in general. And let's start with a bit of news because as of point of publication, two more managers have been sacked in the Bundesliga. Let's start off with the first one that happened last week. Domenico Tedesco has been sacked from Leipzig. And it's not really a surprise considering how they've started the season. And obviously, last week we talked about their rather surprising 4-0 loss to Eintracht Frankfurt, where they didn't have a single shot on target. Well, it managed to get even worse for Tedesco and company after that, because in their Champions League game in midweek, they managed to lose 4-1 to Shakhtar Donetsk, which, yeah, isn't great. At least they did have a shot on target this time, and a whole goal. So, well done them. It was a home game as well, and it just sort of felt like watching that, that the, the wheels had come off completely, and that... Whatever was going wrong with Leipzig, Tedesco could probably be blamed for at least a substantial part of it. So Leipzig decided to part company with their manager, their most successful manager, who of course last year took over from the disastrous era of Jesse Marsh and took them to the DFB Pokal. They won the DFB Pokal with him, unfortunately. And that, by default, makes it the most successful reign in the history of this Leipzig side. However, like I said, it just felt like something wasn't working anymore and that it was probably right to move on to another manager, especially when you can get a manager the quality of the one that Leipzig had replaced Tedesco with. Marco Rosa coming in, obviously the former manager at Salzburg, so he knows the whole Monster Energy setup well. And 
Obviously knows the Bundesliga well as well because he's had stints with Borussia Mönchengladbach and Borussia Dortmund. We'll talk about how Rosa got on in his first game later on because ironically Leipzig took on Borussia Dortmund for his first game in charge where he got to take on his predecessor and his successor in Erdin Terzic. The other one that came through just on Monday, Thomas Rice was sacked as Bochum manager. We'll talk about this later on because we're going to talk about his game, but not a particularly surprising sacking after what happened this weekend. To be honest, before what happened this weekend, it's not like this is a completely out-of-the-blue firing. You can probably guess how they did if you didn't know already. Let's, as per usual, start with the Bundesliga then, and we're going to start with the game we mentioned earlier, Leipzig against Borussia Dortmund. Marco Rosa's first game in charge of his new club against his former club, his last club, and it was a dominant performance for Leipzig. They ran out 3-0 winners starting early on in the sixth minute, Willi Orban heading in a corner. Then, just before half-time, Dominic Saboschlai with the goal of the weekend of the Bundesliga, fantastic hit from far out, straight into the top corner, nothing Gregor Kerbel was going to do about that. Especially because Gregor Kerbel wasn't playing. I've just remembered Alexander Meyer was starting instead. Was it Meyer? Yeah, I think it's Meyer. But yeah, definitely nothing Gregor Kerbel was going to do about that. But nothing any goalkeeper was going to do about that. I could have just cut that out, but to be honest, can't be bothered. Anyway, Dortmund didn't do anything in the first half. They were completely catastrophic in the first half. They did get slightly better in the second half, but not by much. And by the time the 84th minute rolled around, it was game over. A complete defensive disaster class essentially left Leipzig with three attackers against Meyer in the goals. And now, bad, Timo Werner eventually squaring it to Amadou Haidara for the easiest of open goal tap-ins. So, obviously, for Leipzig, it was a really good win in their first game under Marco Rosa, who is probably going to be a really good manager there. Obviously, the time at Dortmund wasn't an entirely successful venture, but as I said on last year's review, there were easily fixable problems, and if the game against Bayern had been officiated properly the first game. The gap between the two sides would have been two points at the end of the year, not eight points. So clearly Rosa is a good manager, and his stint at Borussia Mönchengladbach before he was announced to be taken for Dortmund job, in which afterwards the team nosedived, shows that he is a talented manager for this league and for this level. And obviously he's going to have a lot of exciting attacking talent. He probably plays a better brand of attacking football than... Domenico Tedesco did and I think there are genuine criticisms to be held about the Leipzig transfer policy because they just seem to sign anyone as opposed to signing players who were best for Tedesco's system but at the same time the signings made probably are going to suit Rosa's system better than Tedesco's. It's why you have a few people on the internet saying that oh well clearly this was the plan all along they were just waiting for an excuse to sack Tedesco so they could bring in Marco Rosa who they wanted I don't think that's true but this squad does definitely help out Rosa more than it did Tedesco so there are many reasons to be optimistic as a Leipzig fan going forward all five of them are going to be absolutely thrilled with how this game went 
And for reasons we'll mention later on, the gap to the other side started to come down. For Dortmund, again, this was just a game in which they did not show up. It was absolutely ridiculous from them. They should have been doing a lot better. And like Leipzig the week before in their humiliating 4-0 defeat to Eintracht Frankfurt, Dortmund didn't have a single shot on target in this game. With the attacking talent they have, they should be doing just way better than that. I know that Leipzig's defence has been phenomenal over the last few seasons, but that is absolutely no excuse for how Erdin Terzic has mended. And it wasn't just going forward. Defensively, they were poor. That third goal, highlighting their defensive problems. There is a lot to fix at Dortmund before we can really start to get optimistic about them as title challengers, despite their position in the league table at the moment and how it relates to a certain other side. Let's talk about that certain other side then, because obviously you'll know that the biggest story dominating the world at the moment is the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, the longest reigning monarch in British history, passing away at age 96. It shook the world. It was, just to go off on a tangent for a bit, it was one of the things you always knew was coming, but it still feels surreal for well, pretty much all Brits, because obviously most Brits alive today have only known Queen Elizabeth II as the monarch. And so for that not to be the case anymore is incredibly strange. And obviously I'd like to say this time to say my thoughts go out to the royal family during this immensely difficult period. But as it relates to football... A big controversial decision was taken this weekend in England when the EFL and Premier League decided to cancel all of their games. The other leagues around the UK followed suit as well. And if you have the time, read about what happened to Sheffield International FC who decided to put on a friendly during this time and were hounded for it by the FA who seemed to think that they danced on the grave of the Queen. They were so outraged that someone even dare play a game of football, even though rugby, cricket and other sports were allowed to go ahead as normal. That's a topic for another day, but with no English football taking place, the three o'clock blackout in the UK was lifted. And as the rights holders to the Bundesliga, Sky had their choice of any of the 2.30 kickoffs. That's 2.30 UK time, obviously 3.30 Central European Summertime. They could pick any game they wanted out of that 2.30 window. And of course, we've already mentioned what was probably the most exciting game on paper, at least for neutrals, which was Leipzig against Dortmund. Two sides who we expect to be challenging for the title come the end of the year, or at least did at the start of the season. And obviously you have the story of Marco Rosa going back to manage against his former side and players that the British fans would know like Jude Bellingham and Timo Werner and an all-round what looked like on paper exciting game. Of course it didn't turn out that way, Leipzig won 3-0 in a non-contest. But that seemed to be the obvious game to pick. The game Sky decided to pick instead was Bayern Munich against Stuttgart. Uh, now, bearing in mind, hindsight's twenty twenty, but let's look at this without knowing what happened next, because obviously Sky did not know what happened next. They don't have a portal into the future. This was a game between a side who expected to be struggling against relegation, who hadn't won a game all year, 
and Bayern. This is the game that they thought was going to be the most interesting of all the games in the Bundesliga this weekend. It is absolutely, without explanation, without justification... Stefan Bienkowski on Twitter, I think, put it best. So Sky Sports get a rare opportunity to show any Bundesliga game at 2.30pm this afternoon and they pick Bayern against Stuttgart, League Giants against decimated relegation contenders. How disappointing. Reminds me of their approach to covering another league, push aside the fiercely contested clashes between mid-table sides in favour of a giant pummeling a minnow for 90 minutes. Doesn't exactly make for exciting TV, or more importantly, salve the league to neutrals. And he was spot on. This is a really stupid decision in terms of wanting an entertaining game, in terms of picking a game that is going to bring entertainment and show fans what the Bundesliga can be. It was a really, truly bad decision. Anyway, buying two Stuttgart two. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I didn't see this coming. I don't think anyone else did. And if Sky claim they did see it coming, I will call them liars because they categorically did not. The game seemed to be going the way we expected in the 36th minute with Bayern legend Matisse Tell scoring. Yes, that guy, he became the youngest goal scorer for Bayern in Bundesliga history. He scored in round one of the DFB Pakal, which we didn't talk about because they won 5-0 against Victoria Köln. It just wasn't worth mentioning. And he, when he scored that, he became the youngest goal scorer in Bayern Munich's history. Now he's done it in the Bundesliga as well. So a promising start for the young striker. Stuttgart had a goal disallowed after that. I think it was Gerasi who was penalised. And I think he was done for standing somewhere near Matthias De Ligt. And that was it. He just stood in the vicinity of De Ligt. And that's unacceptable. Not allowed. How dare he even think to do that. It was a completely nonsensical decision. And we're unfortunately starting to get more of them, it feels like. I'm not enjoying it. And <laughs> we'll talk about another game later on where I didn't agree with decision-making. But anyway, Stuttgart have a goal disallowed completely incorrectly. There was no foul whatsoever on anyone. But they did score shortly afterwards, about five minutes after. Konstantinos Mavropanos perfectly playing through Chris Furyk after he had dispossessed someone I think he intercepted a pass from Alfonso Davis if I remember correctly and then played a good assist through to Furyk who slotted past Manuel Neuer but then just three minutes later Bayern did what they always do they took the lead back and this time it was Jamal Musiala who's obviously been fantastic for Bayern this year stepping up to at least help fill the void left by Robert Lewandowski he worked the space in the box perfectly to open up a perfect chance for him and he slotted into the bottom corner. But late on, Stuttgart got a penalty in the 92nd minute delict. It looked really harsh at first for a foul against him, but other angles showed that VAR and the ref were right to come to that decision. And Seru Gerasi in the 92nd minute rescued a point for Stuttgart. Stuttgart have actually drawn five of their opening six games in the Bundesliga this year, which means they're the Bundesliga version of Preston North End. They have actually been scoring more, but you can't fault them in this game. They played really well. Pellegrino Matarazzo had a game plan. His side executed it, and they deserved a point here. They were absolutely fantastic. 
And obviously, like Stefan said in that tweet earlier that I mentioned, Stuttgart have not had the kindest transfer window, but Gavassi is a new signing from then. And they have every chance to push on in the league this season. I do hope that they do well. For Bayern, however, this was their third straight draw in a row. Earlier on in the season, after three games, they made the greatest start any side had ever made in Bundesliga history. While now, after six games, Bayern have made their worst start to a Bundesliga season in the last 12 years. So, something's obviously changed. Bayern have drawn three games, but to be honest, whilst their fans are still panicking, I see no reason to. Teams have slumps. Normal teams have slumps. This is just a thing that the rest of us have been used to for a very long time. And this is just a slump for Bayern. And it's really the first game out of the three in which I felt any real concern. Obviously, there are two games before that. The draw against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Jan Sommer was absolutely fantastic. They win that game nine times out of ten. And the other one was against a very tough Union Berlin side away from home. And of course... We're, we don't normally talk about Europe on this podcast, but it is worth pointing out they beat Inter Milan 2-0 in the Champions League this week as well. So this is not a side in absolute freefall. Only one of those games can be even remotely described as, you know, iffy. So I see no reason to panic still about Bayern. It's going to take a lot more for me to be concerned about the recordmeister than three draws. I mean, come on. And let's remember as well, they've got 12 points after six games. That's two points per game. That's very good for most teams. And I think sort of like the Hansi Flick era, particularly that came before this, has sort of maybe warped our perspectives of what we expect from Bayern. But this is still a good start to the season for any other team. And to be honest, there's not really anything to, to complain about because this could have easily instead been 16 out of 18 points instead of 12 from 18 points and they will categorically recover especially considering the fact that no team at the moment seems good enough to challenge them once again so stop panicking if you're a Bayern fan you'll be absolutely fine and you'll win another league anyway they're not top of the league remarkably Union Berlin are what a crazy world we are living in. And I absolutely love that we are living in that world. Köln nil, Union Berlin 1. This game could have very easily been 3-0 after about 15 minutes. But it was instead 1-0 after 15 minutes. The only goal coming from a Timo Huber's own goal. He turned in a Gerardo Becker shot into his own net. And it was unfortunate. And it probably would have found, was it Jordan Sibichu running to the back post? So, again, I'm not going to put too much blame on him but Union had some really good chances at the start of that first half they had a penalty which was incredibly harsh it was handball given against Luca Killian but he wasn't even facing the ball so he didn't know where it was yes his hand was technically in an unnatural position but not really because he was jumping and people's arms move when they jump I don't know if this is news to you but it clearly is news to the DFB and yeah, his, his body position was natural considering what he was doing and he couldn't see the ball. He couldn't get out of the way because he didn't know where the ball was. And I thought it was absolutely ridiculous that it was given a penalty. And the football gods smiled upon Köln because Jordan Sibichu with a terrible penalty. I mean, 
I don't think Marvin Swaber even had to really move. Like, all he had to do was sort of, like, rotate his foot and he would have saved it. It was that bad. If he wasn't allowed to leave his spot, he was only allowed to sort of extend as far as his body would let him, he still would have made that save. It was that bad a penalty. And you expect better from Jordan Sibichu after the start he's had two of the season. But it wouldn't matter in the end because Cole never really got going in this game. They never really had any great chances. Union did threaten a lot, particularly towards the end of the game. And especially after Luca Killian's red card in the 81st minute because it wasn't a good game for him. I think, in all fairness though, that first yellow card came from the handball. Which means he actually shouldn't have been sent off because it shouldn't have been a yellow card. But especially after the red card, Union did do a lot of pressing. They did definitely deserve the win. And they go top of the Bundesliga. We are living in a wild world. I wouldn't even expect to see this if I was playing on Football Manager. Seeing Union top of the Bundesliga. Maybe if I was managing Union on Football Manager. But apart from that, this is absolutely insane. And it is a credit to a club that is run so well. There is no better run club in Germany at the moment Van Union Berlin. They have been absolutely incredible to start the season. I don't think they've lost a league game since their loss to Bayern in March. So it really speaks volumes of just how well they've been doing. Obviously, they've lost big players during that time and they've replaced them perfectly well. And it's not particularly a fluke. It's not a fluke to see them battling near the top of the Bundesliga. That is genuinely how well this side is run. That is how good of a coach as Fischer is. And long may it continue because I am absolutely loving this. They are, they're not going to win the title. But, you know, uh, Kaiserslautern. But they are probably going to do very well once again this year. Union have been the best surprise package in the Bundesliga well, over the last three seasons, and like I said, long may it continue. Whilst Union were impressing and going top of the Bundesliga, their city neighbours were actually doing well as well. Hertha Berlin 2 by Leverkusen 2. Hertha probably should have won this game and definitely did have the better of the chances in what was a poor first half. It was by Leverkusen who took the lead, though, 49 minutes into this game in the second half. Kareem Demerbay with a great direct free kick into the top corner. But like I said, Hertha did do really well in this game. They equalised just seven minutes later. So it said, are scoring at the back post. And then the actual goal of the weekend. I think I've already labelled one as the goal of the weekend. But this was the goal of the weekend. And not just because it's Marco Richter. But also because of how he scored it. A very long range shot on the half volley. Absolutely fantastic. Nothing that the keeper, Lucas Trudecki, could have done about that. And for the most part, it looked like Hertha were going to hold on. But they did make one mistake in this game. They left Patrick Schick unmarked in the box. And you don't do that because he will punish you. Robert Andrich passing it to him for the easiest of chances. Well, like I said, that was really the only mistake Hertha Berlin made in the entire game, they were the better side against Bayer Leverkusen. They played well, and like I said with a tweet a couple of weeks ago, they look worryingly competent. They actually have been playing some good football, despite the fact that they're 15th in the league table. This is actually the most optimistic I've been about Hertha Berlin in a long time. Tell you what I'm not optimistic about, Bayer Leverkusen, because... 
man, the panic meter is getting higher and higher by the week. 17th in the league at the moment. One win, one draw, four defeats, just four points. And again, they were the lesser of two sides in a game they really should have been winning. I, at the start of the season, said Gerardo Serrani is a good coach. He did wound with his side last year. He deserves time. But time is starting to run out, surely. And if he can't turn this around and fast, then he is going to be on the hot... Well, his seat should be hot already. But surely this cannot continue for much longer. Considering as well, they lost in midweek 1-0 to Club Bruges. I don't know where they go anymore. I don't know if how long they can really keep uh, Serrani at the club. I don't know. I've not liked what I've been seeing from this by Leverkusen side and at the moment I don't see how it gets better and that is incredibly concerning. Schalke 3, Bochum 1 and as mentioned earlier this is the game that got Thomas Rice sacked as Bochum manager and understandably we'll get on to them later on. Just a quick recap of the game. First 1-0 in the 39th minute Dominic Drexler responding best to a Riemann deflection to slot home. Matching a first half in which Schalke just edged proceedings, but just six minutes into the second half, Bochum equalised. Philip Hoffman's shot was originally disallowed for an offside on Simon Zola, but VAR correctly overturned the decision and Bochum's goal stood. It wouldn't matter in the end, though. 2-1 in the 73rd minute, Erhan Masovic turning a free kick into his own net before Sebastian Polter, remember him, Bochum fans, scored against his former club in added time with a header from a Tobias Moore pass. And just like in the first half, Schalke were the better side through the entire game. They were good value for their first win in the Bundesliga in 483 days they were the better side we had 20 shots in this match by themselves absolutely incredible performance for the most part from Schalke they did deserve that win and for Bochum while it leaves them rock Bochum as Archie Tut put on Twitter six games six defeats no points 18 goals conceded they have been abysmal to start the new season and that is ultimately what has cost Thomas Rice his job it's a shame you never want to see a manager get sacked. These are humans at the end of the day. But after such a good season last time around, Bochum just don't seem to have the answers for anything at the moment. And maybe that fresh start is what they need because obviously Bochum are not a club who are going to be able to go out and spend €80 million Euros in the transfer window. They've got to work with what they've got. And Rice was no longer able to make it work with their squad. Their bottom, they're five points off safety, so... They're not a million miles off, but watching their performances this year, they definitely do feel like they're a million miles off at the moment. Okay, let's round up the rest of the games from this weekend of Bundesliga action. Hoffenheim 4, Mainz 1. Hoffenheim's strong start to the season continues. They're currently occupying a Champions League place with an impressive win against a good Mainz side. Obviously, a big help came in the 41st minute. Alexander Hack was sent off for deliberately bringing down Jorginho Ruta inside the box. And I know double jeopardy exists, but... This was the correct decision because it was a very deliberate, you know, 
sort of bringing him down. It was sort of uh, the sad thing I'd call a professional foul. Anyway, it didn't really matter because Kramaric missed another penalty this season. He's had two misses so far. But of course, it did matter because Hoffenheim had a man advantage for the rest of the game. And they did capitalise on that. Kramaric made up for his missed penalty by volleying into an open net for the first. Grisha Prumel, Monas de Boer with a back heel goal. And Kavashara would get the others for Hoffenheim. Dominic Kerr did score for Mines. Their only goal of the game with a nice finish from just inside of the box. But of course, when you're down to 10 men for most of the game against this Hoffenheim side, you are going to struggle. And that is exactly what happened. Andre Breitenreiter and company still starting off the season strong. Werder nil, Augsburg 1. Right, we'll talk about it. Don't really want to talk about it. It wasn't a fun game to watch by any extent. It started off when Werder had a goal disallowed for literally no reason whatsoever. The Bundesliga website said it was disallowed for offside, though I think it was very telling that the Bundesliga World Feed decided not to show the replay where, of where the offside infringement happened because they literally couldn't find it. They didn't know why the goal had been disallowed. I didn't know why the goal had been disallowed. It was absolutely ridiculous. And one of the worst decisions I've ever seen made by VAR, considering the ref had a chance to go and look at this on the monitor. He was told to look at it and he disallowed the goal. I don't know what he disallowed the goal for. The only thing I can see was actually that two Augsburg players ran into each other and maybe interpreted that as a foul somehow. But it was a truly atrocious decision and I, I'm still sort of in shock now. There was a goal for Augsburg which looked far more offside to me than the goal for Werder Bremen but that goal was allowed to stand so... Standards uh, in this game, refereeing-wise, were incredibly poor. And honestly, the Bundesliga started to turn worryingly English with its refereeing this season. Maybe Stockley Park's in control of VAR in the Bundesliga as well. For the most part, it's good, but there have been a few shocking games refereeing-wise, and this might be the very worst of them. The ref did get a decision correct towards the end of the game, giving a penalty, but Augsburg did that thing where they try and scuff up the penalty spot, which is the ultimate way of saying we have no talent and we are useless at football. But luckily for them, Ole Werner decided that Marvin Dusk should take the penalty. A friend of the pod, Alex Towles, correctly pointing out that Marvin Dusk is a lot better in the second tier than he is in the top flight. And sort of reminds you of those players who fit into the category too good for the Championship, not good enough for the Premier League. Well, he at the moment feels like too good for the Spites, not good enough for the Bundesliga. This wasn't really the time to give him a confidence-building penalty because his penalty was poor and would have been saved by anyone. And Augsburg somehow held on for a win they didn't deserve. Werder, a comfortable better side out of the two, but poor refereeing decisions, bad play from Augsburg, and bad sportsmanship gave them the win. I would be deeply embarrassed if I was an Augsburg fan watching the end of that game and how the players acted because it was truly childish. But luckily I'm not an Augsburg fan and I'm very thankful for that every day. Meanwhile, Frankfurt nil, Wolfsburg won. This is the game I actually would have picked if I was in charge of picking the fixtures for Sky when it came to, you know, the ones of the 2.30 kickoffs that they got to pick this time. 
And I would have been wrong, in all fairness. The only goal of the game coming from a Max Ensler-Croix header from a corner. Wolfsburg were the better side in this game. Nico Kovac got a big win against his former club as they start to move up the table only slightly. They're only in 16th. But they did deserve this win. Final game to mention, Freiburg nil, Borussia Mönchengladbach nil. Freiburg lose top place in the Bundesliga Daniel Farker and Mönchengladbach have started off the season very well. This continues that they were the better side in this game, but to be honest, a draw was the correct result. Okay, let's have a look at the table in the Bundesliga then after six match days. And like I said earlier, and it's so fun to say, Union Berlin top the Bundesliga 14 points from six games. You know I gotta say that again. Union Berlin top the Bundesliga after 14 points from six games. Absolutely incredible. Freiburg are in second on 13 from six. Then it's Bayern, Hoffenheim, Dortmund all on 12 points between third and fifth. Mines currently round out the European places there on 10 points. At the wrong end of the table, Bochum are still rock Bochum with no points. Bayer Leverkusen drop into 17th position there on four. Wolfsburg have five, which is the same number as Hertha Berlin and Stuttgart, who are in 15th and 14th respectively. Okay, let's have a quick look at the Zweite Bundesliga then. Kaiserslautern 3, Darmstadt 3. What a game between two sides who have started off the season so well. Only one goal in the first half, Tobias Kemper penalty. Sort of been a defensive mistake from one of the Kaiserslautern defenders. And Luther had to rush out and he wiped out Matthias Bader. So it was definitely the correct decision. And Darmstadt went into the half-time break 1-0 up. The second half was much better. It started... With Darmstadt extending their lead, 49 minutes on the clock. A great finish from Philip Tietz from outside the box. Kenny Vadondo got Kaiserslautern back into the game with a header before a Mike Wunderlicht penalty made it to all. It looked like Kaiserslautern had pulled off a great comeback. In the 87th minute, they took the lead for the first time in the game. That was their third goal in 13 minutes. Marlon Ritter with a good cross for a completely unmarked Kenny Redondo for his second of the game. I don't know how he got so wide open. Maybe Darmstadt are just not as good as defending this year as they were last year. But they did rescue a point Darmstadt after being so good earlier on in the game. In the 91st minute, Avin Sidal chesting a long ball down before volleying home. One of the best goals in the Spider Bundesliga this week. And his control is something we expect more from Bundesliga attackers. You don't normally see such quality in lower leagues. But then again, the Spider Bundesliga is fantastic. So maybe we should be expecting it anyway. An absolutely fantastic game. Two sides were started off the season really well. Darmstadt in fourth, Kaiserslautern in seventh. Hanover won, Eintracht Braunschweig won. Braunschweig off bottom of the Zweiter Bundesliga table, which is quite a surprise, especially getting a point against such an in-form Hanover side. The kickoff was slightly delayed because the Braunschweig fans had all of the flares in the universe <laughs> in the stadium. It really created quite the dramatic fog. But they did, after a boring first half, for which everyone was trying to recover from the flares, I guess, they did take the lead of the 69th minute Anthony Uja with a header. Hanover for most of the game, though, were the better side. They did get a deserved equaliser. Havard Nielsen volleying in from close range. There was a bit of controversy with the second goal because it looked like it might have gone out. 
before the cross went in. Cedric Tuchier running to the byline. It looked like he had uh, taken the ball out, but he just crossed it in, in time. And no VAR angle. We, we've done a lot of VAR bashing recently because it's been really disappointing. But in all fairness with this one, VAR didn't seem to have the angle to overturn it. There wasn't clear and conclusive evidence. And... VAR didn't have that, so I think it was the correct decision to let the goal stand, even though Braunschweig won't be too happy about it. Still, a draw was probably the correct result. Hanover were slightly the better side, but Braunschweig did play well for their point, and it does feel like they're moving in the correct direction now. Four points from their last two games. That result means that, surprisingly... Greuter Firth a bottom of the Schweizer Bundesliga. Then again, they have been used to being bottom recently. But Magdeburg 2, Greuter Firth 1. This is a game that at the start of the year we would have expected a clear Greuter Firth victory in. But times, they are a changing and Greuter Firth have not been playing well to start off the season. Magdeburg took the lead in the 38th minute. Cristiano Pacini responding best to a spill from the keeper. Groetverf did equalise just four minutes later. Damian Michalski heading home. But Magdeburg had been the better side through the entire game and they did get their just rewards in the 86th minute. Moritz Brony quoting a really good finish from outside the box and the backflip celebration was good as well. It was a clear win for Magdeburg. They were the better side and as mentioned, Greuter Firth now find themselves bottom of the Spiter Bundesliga table. It's fair to say that we expected more from Mark Schneider and company at the start of the season, but to be honest, in most of their games so far, they have not been the better side. They are still yet to win four draws, four defeats, and with Paderborn coming up next, I don't know how it gets any better. There are big questions to be asked at Greuter Firth. Kiel 2, Hamburger 3, and this was a weird game because for the most part it did feel like Kiel were the better side, but easily the man of the match, Daniel Hoyer-Fernandez in the Hamburger goal was absolutely sensational. And whilst obviously he wasn't contributing to the goal scoring, it does feel like he was the biggest reason Hamburger were allowed to race out into such a big lead. They opened to scoring in the 39th minute, Robert Glatzel with a header from a John Luke Domper cross. Kiel did have a goal disallowed after that for a foul on the keeper, uh, Daniel Hoy Fernandez. I agreed with that call, to be honest. Wait, hang on, I'm a St. Pauli fan. That call was ridiculous, and the DFB should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> I'm joking, of course, but yeah, it was the correct decision. Hamburger made it 2-0 in the 69th minute. Moritz Heyer also heading in from a corner, and then it looked like it was game over in the 85th minute when Ludovic Rice made it 3-0. It did look like it was offside, but VAR didn't overturn the call. Clearly, they didn't feel like they had enough evidence to overturn it. But after that, Kiel did actually start to make a comeback very late on. Better late than never, I guess. But they made it 3-1 in the 92nd minute. Moritz Heyer getting a foot on a cross, which managed to bounce into the net. By the way, he plays a Hamburg. I should have said that. It was an own goal. But he was probably thinking, ah, it's fine. It's, you know, I don't want to score an own goal, obviously. But it's the 92nd minute. We're going to get the win anyway. He was probably a bit more nervous when one minute later, Kiel made it 3-2. Jonas David completely scuffed a clearance, which fell straight into the path of Finn Bartels. You don't need to give him a chance like that. But luckily for Hamburger, they were able to hold on for the win. To be honest, 
apart from Daniel Hoyer Fernandez, who was easily the man of the match and maybe the best player in the Spider Bundesliga this weekend, it did feel like Kiel were actually the better side. So well done to Hoyer Fernandez rescuing the points for HSV there. Paderborn 3, Jan Regensburg 0. Paderborn continue to top these fighter Bundesliga and continue to play good football as well. This was a very convincing performance from the side. They made it 1-0 in the 21st minute. Marcel Hoffmeier slotting in from a very narrow angle. They were given a lot of assistance after that because Steven Breitkreutz was sent off in the 68th minute. It was a correct call, a high kick. Originally not given, but reviewed by VAR. I'd see no reason to disagree with it. And it went bad to worse for Jan Regensburg immediately because the following free kick, Robert Leipertz would bundle in to make it 2-0. Obviously, Paderborn dominated the game after that. They would get a third in the 86th minute. Marvin Peeringer looked offside, but he wasn't. It was a really good pass by Felix Platter to set him up with the easiest of opportunities. And to be honest, this could have been more for Paderborn. You sort of excuse Jan Regensburg a bit because A, it's Paderborn and B, they were down to 10 men for a lot of the second half. But this was a good win for Paderborn and as mentioned they continue to top these fighter Bundesliga table. Okay let's have a look at the rest of the fixtures then that happened in this fighter this weekend. Fortuna Dusseldorf 3, Hansa Rostock 1. Now you might remember a few weeks ago Hansa Rostock got into trouble for several banners they held during a game against St Pauli that were while trying to offend everyone with a brain who exists. And it caused a huge uproar in Germany, rightfully so, because the banners were incredibly scummy. While Fortuna Dusseldorf had some opinions on those banners, their fans held banners relentlessly mocking Hansa Rostock and also held several anti-racism banners as well, which was absolutely fantastic. Not only did Fortuna Dusseldorf smash Hansa off the pitch, they smashed them on the pitch. This was complete domination and could have been a lot more for the objectively better side with an objectively better fan base. David Koronaki, a really good volley to open scoring in this game. Probably goal of the weekend in the Sviter. The other goals for Fortuna Dusseldorf coming from Marcel Tabotka and Emmanuel Iowa. Probably got his name wrong, I apologise. Hansa did get one before the third, but like I said, Dusseldorf were easily the better side in this game, and I am very glad about that. St. Pauli won, Sandhausen won, a great header from Jackson Irving. The man, the myth, the legend was matched by David Kinsombi of Sandhausen, capitalising on some poor defending in the second half. This was an incredibly frustrating game for St. Pauli because they had great chance after great chance after great chance and they just couldn't take them. Obviously, the boys in brown lost Guido Bergstaller in the summer to Rapid Vienna. It feels like if he was there, St. Pauli would have won this 4 or 5-1. It's, it's worrying because the failure to take chances so far this season has been one of the biggest problems and it's why St. Pauli aren't higher up the Spiter Bundesliga table. But still, they are at least playing somewhat well. So if they can just start converting them chances, if the strikers can start performing better, then they will be absolutely fine this season. Nuremberg won Armenia Bielefeld nil. Nuremberg were easily the better side in this game. They deserve their goal from Lino Templeman when he headed in a free kick in the 90th minute. It was a late, dramatic winner, but it was one that was very much deserved. Final game, Karlsruhe nil, Heidenheim nil. This is a game that will go down as one of the many games of football that happened. 
There was 27 combined shots in this game between the two sides, and yet only three of them were on target. It was absolutely abysmal. Anyway, let's have a look at this fighter Bundesliga table then at the end of match day eight. As mentioned earlier, Paderborn topped the league 19 points on eight games, four wins in their last five. They're absolutely going strong. Hamburger are in second, 18 points from eight games and four wins in five as well. Heidenheim fill out the promotion places. They're currently on 15 points, as are Darmstadt in fourth. Fortuna Dusseldorf and Hanover both on 14, very close behind. At the wrong end of the table, Greuther Firth are on four points and still the only side who haven't won in the Spider Bundesliga so far this season. Eintracht Braunschweig are on five, as are Armenia Bielefeld. They fill out the remaining relegation places. Yes, both of the sides who were relegated from the Bundesliga last year currently have nine points from 16 games combined. So, you know, brilliant. Magdeburg outside of relegation places on seven points. Okay, time for our whistle-stop tour of the Dritterliga and the biggest game by far. Alversberg are top of the Dritter. They beat 1860 Munich 4-1. And to think about how well 1860 Munich has started off the season, this was an incredible performance for Alversberg. All aboard the Alversberg hype train, which might be the fastest it's been going all year, even though they beat by Leverkusen in the DFB Pokal earlier on. There was one moment of contention in this game that I want to bring up, which was that... Uh, a goal was disallowed for 1860 Munich for offside. It was so onside it hurt. There was about there must have been three players ahead of the 1860 Munich player who was flagged for offside. Obviously, the Dritter League doesn't have VAR. If it did have VAR, this call would have been overturned. It was absolutely shocking. But at the same time, it did come when 1860 were already 3-0 down, so it probably didn't affect the result. So, Alversburg top of the league on 19 points. 1860 Munich are on the same number of points, but with an inferior goal difference. Saarbrücken are currently third. They got a massive 6-0 win against Bayreuth at the weekend. They've overtaken Freiburg, who lost 3-1 to Wehen. Those two sides are fourth and fifth. Meanwhile, Dinamo Dresden are in sixth. They picked up their third win on the bounce with a 1-0 win away at Duisburg. At the wrong end of the table... Al are still bottom. They have still not picked up a win. They're actually doing worse than Greuther Furfar in the Spiter, so terribly. They lost 1-0 at home to Svakau. 19 for Bayreuth. We already know how they did. Dortmund Zwei are in 18th. They lost 2-1 to Oldenburg. And Ville are in 17th. Five points after a two-all draw with Meppen. They're one point behind Essen, who are currently in 16th place, just outside relegation places. They lost 1-0 away at Osnabrück. Okay, time for our games of the weekend then. As per usual, these are in Central European summertime. If you are a British listener, knock off one hour. So obviously in the Bundesliga, there's only one game I could possibly go for. It's the return of the Revere Derby, Borussia Dortmund against Schalke, Saturday at 3.30. I am so giddy to see this great rivalry come back. Obviously, we expect different things from these two sides this year. Borussia Dortmund should be challenging for the title if they can actually start playing competently. Meanwhile, Schalke will just be hoping to avoid the drop. But this game always delivers in excitement and entertainment. My Spider Bundesliga game of the weekend, Heidenheim against Kaiserslautern. Two sides who have started off well this campaign. 
Heidenheim, as mentioned, sat in third, 15 points from eight games and on quite the long undefeated run as well. Meanwhile, Kaiserslautern are in seventh, 13 points from eight games. They're also undefeated in four, but they've drawn their last three games, which is why they've slipped a bit. That game taking place Sunday at 1.30pm. My final game to mention from the Dritter Liga, Saturday, 2 o'clock for Dinamo Dresden against Ingolstadt. Two of the sides who were relegated last season who have started off the campaign in the Dritter relatively well. Dinamo Dresden, 6th place, 15 points from 8 games, 3 wins on the bounce as mentioned. Ingolstadt, just a place and a point behind them, 14 points from 8 in 7th. So that is all the time we have on Going Deutsch this week. Thank you for listening once again. I'll be back with more from the wonderful world of German football next week. But for the time being, I've been Alex Woodward. Until we meet again, I'll read us in.